0: Welcome to Shofar Cape Town South Sermon Podcast. We trust that today's message will edify and strengthen your faith. Thank you. It's good to be here. Could somebody just move this a little? I don't know if it's forward or backwards, just to unhem me. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Liana. Liana made that sound bad, but it wasn't bad, it was good. good to be here this morning and uh, I want to, Raina's not in this meeting here, but I want to honor Raina and Liana. Um, Young people who are pouring out their lives in the ministry, it's a big deal guys, it's a big deal. And honor you for for all that you're plowing into the kingdom. Um, I'm not your rewarder, (laughs) just as well, Um, but God is. And so I really, I bless you this morning. Yes. (laughs) Thanks. Um, You know, just uh, listening to uh, Liana talking about her children, we've got two girls. And I just want to share something that happened, which is not in my notes, but um, just came to mind when she's speaking. Uh, My youngest daughter's 31 now, about to turn 32. But when she was seven, um, back in the olden days, we had blankets on the floor I don't know if you still do it the kids sit on the floor color in and stuff while you busy in church while we were busy in church I was in the worship team so I was up there and Arthur was up there and our kids were down on the rug coloring in but some of the parents allowed the kids to play in the back room and it was sometimes unsupervised and I wasn't that keen because it was always picking up pieces and you know who smacked who and who bit who and you know All that stuff. You're all young and you've got kids. Um, Anyway, so I was up on the stage and I looked down and there I saw Ashley, who was seven, um, jump up and run to that famous back room. So I went off the stage after her and I I said to her, what are you doing? She says, mom, I've come to tell all my friends I can speak in tongues. And she spoke in tongues ever since. So... You know, we can't, sometimes, like you say, it's difficult to to discern, but they are also growing and learning and and so on, you know, which is really, really wonderful. Um, I just want to say that as women, we live in a very privileged time because, you know, when Jesus came, he split time. We've got before Christ and AD, after Christ. It was such a momentous happening that it actually split time. And when he came, I grew up in religion so I grew up with gentle Jesus meek and mild. And then after I got born again I discovered that (laughs) that was just for a very tiny part of his life that he was meek and mild (laughs) when he was a baby. Um, That he is um, our fiery savior, etc. And When he came to the earth, guys, the reason that society was polarized about him is because he was shocking. He was shocking. He spoke to women in public. So if you understand something of the culture of those days, us women were regarded as something similar to dogs, about the same level. It was not a problem to abuse a woman or You know, they had a type of divorce in those days. And this type of divorce was if your husband woke up in the morning and he didn't like your nose anymore, or you snored, or any petty reason, it didn't matter. He just said, bye, thanks Thanks for the good times. He could just divorce you like that. There was no value. Jesus came and spent time with women. And gave them value. And we are now all the years further down the line, um, living a very different life, and and also in Western society. So I really want to thank the Lord that I'm part of this generation, also, where where women are liberated to minister within the church context. So we've been around a long time. and in the early days it wasn't like that we came from uh, we come from quite a it was a very strict denomination but i'm now ordained many 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 years because the thinking shifted as time went on and as the scriptures became clear but uh, in the early days it it was quite tough women were seen and not heard but it's i just find it such a privilege now to be seen and heard so let's go girls <laughs> Um, I want to share a journey with you this morning. And the funniest thing about this journey is that I didn't know it was a journey until afterwards. <laughs> Have you ever had that with God? You, you're not quite sure what He's doing. And um, in 2003, we had been living in Johannesburg. In 2003, uh, we came back to Cape Town and we needed to buy a house so in our price range we wanted to buy in a better area if we could but it meant that we bought a more dilapidated house and that's how it worked we couldn't we couldn't have everything so anyway we bought this house and when I was unpacking the kitchen I took the the pots out the boxes and I put it in the cupboard and it fell through the shelf so I thought okay well maybe we didn't see everything when when we bought the house and um Just, is there anyone here that can explain how people who live in a house can break every tap? Is there a way that you can actually explain that to me? Because just about every tap was broken. Don't know how. And then um, we had the creepiest cupboards on the face of the earth. At night when we said goodnight to each other and went to sleep, they were closed. And when we woke up in the morning, they used to be open. Like really creepy. So, um, and also... Uh, When we came to do renovating and stuff like that, we discovered that the lounge had four layers of carpets. We were like really blessed with four layers of carpets. So when we walked into... You know, when you first move into a house, it smells a bit different. And I always thought it smelled a bit iffy. Four layers of carpets, people. Four layers. So then every year, as um, we lived there for 13 years, so every year we started doing something. um, As finance became available... Um, We would do the job. We started with the floors just so that we could undo our tall carpets and come down to earth again. And um, one year we had to do the roof. And so there was a lot to do around the place. But um, we enjoyed doing it um, mostly. (laughs) So we'd been there for about eight years when the Lord started speaking to me about blessing, about the power of blessing. Blessing. And I started being challenged and actually going out every morning outside and blessing the ground and blessing the atmosphere and blessing our neighbors, blessing the neighborhood and also blessing the bricks and mortar of our house, just blessing our house, blessing our home, blessing us, just speaking blessing. So, um, and I can't remember where I got the idea to do it, but I, I just felt that I had to do this methodically, on an ongoing basis, intentionally, which I did. So then it wasn't too long afterwards, so a house was here, and then there was a park, and then there was quite a big stretch of land, uh, just empty land, mole heaps beyond that. So we also had the mole wars, <laughs> mole wars in the park, and mole wars in our garden. So anyway, um, so I started blessing it, and uh, as I was blessing the neighbors and everything like that, suddenly, the municipality arrived at the park. The grass was like this, and it stank like it was so bad, it was such a bad place. Nobody was coming, no kids playing, nothing at all was happening there. The municipality arrived and cut the grass and I'm like, "Wow, that's exciting. You know that was an exciting happening. <laughs> they cleaned it up uh, it smelt better. And then um, behind us, the road behind us, a little bit down, um, the neighbor there decided to adopt the park and talk the municipality into putting in a sprinkler system worth 32,000 rand. I mean, where have you heard of that before? And got the municipality to donate plants and planted stuff and, and demarcated and, and killed the moles and and suddenly it was green, and suddenly when you started looking down the road, the atmosphere had shifted, and people started coming to the park, and kids started playing in the park, and it was a completely different vibe that was happening there, so I got quite excited about that. (laughs) Um, Tuesday is our day off, so we went down to the the beach one day and when we as we drove back into our driveway a car pulled up onto our pavement so I put my head around the wall and I said to the guy um are you look because they looked they got out and they looked like they were looking for something or someone but it was just us there and so the mom it was a dad and a mom and three kids and they said 10 years ago we lived in this house but we have immigrated to New Zealand it's our first holiday back And we've come back to the old house just to look at it. So we said, well, come in and and look and remember, you know. So they came around the wall, uh, around the gate. And he looked at me and he said to me, how did you get the garden to grow? So you can put the garden up if it's not up already. How did you get the garden to grow? Um, We had the best water. And we had um, plants. And we had everything but I couldn't get this garden to grow so I I didn't really think much about it I thought well I wonder why he couldn't get the garden to grow I don't know but you know it's table view it's the other side of the bourgeois curtain you know what I mean the other side of the bourgeois curtain and it doesn't rain as much in table view and we've got sea sand So, it is quite difficult. I mean, you need to put compost and stuff in. But he said he'd done all that stuff. Anyway, we had this random conversation. And they were all excited to see the house. And they went on their way. Then we were thinking about putting this house on the market. um, Just because we needed to downscale. And after all the many, many years, we needed it just to be you and me again. The kids are big. We're trying to get rid of them. Oh, no. Sorry. Sorry. They... They, um, <laughs> do not tell them I said that. <laughs> now the one got married and the one wanted to move. And so we'd been valuating the house. So we had a couple of different estate agents over a period of time come to look. Four, in fact. They all walked in and said, we've sold this house before. How did you get the garden to grow? And I'm like oh, I started figuring out that maybe for the past 20 plus years there had been no garden with this perfectly fantastic well point water. No, I couldn't figure out why. And then um, the one guy said to me, uh, one of the estate agents, he said, my very best friend Andrew used to live in this house and I always used to come and play here and there was never anything. They just had some Brazilian peppers which took us two years to remove five of them, just as we could afford to remove Brazilian peppers that had branches uh, or actually roots as big as my thigh. And that's big, people. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> so so I'm starting to get this picture. We've lived there for years and years and years and years, and we made the garden and enjoyed that garden so much that well-point point was just pumping out water morning, noon, and night, and before the drought, long before the drought. (laughs) And there's a huge aquifer there anyway. And um, so I'm I'm gleaning this picture now. But in the meantime, um, as part of the the repairing and the replacing of the creepy cupboards, um, behind the dressing table... um, when the guys came to take the cupboards away and everything and, and put in new cupboards, praise the Lord, <laughs> behaved themselves. Um, we dug out behind the all kinds... Of, Do you ever dig in your, um, in your city, in your couch? and <laughs> Behind um, dressing tables and cupboards? <laughs> anyway, out came a photo, it's quite gross, out came a photo of what looked like the Ku Klux Klan. It was people in like white sheets burning a cross. Now, we don't know who the people are because you can't see on the photo. We don't know if it happened on this property or not. But somewhere along the line, people were also involved in stuff, and we don't know what. You know, when you move into houses, there's spiritual atmospheres that need to be cleansed as well, you know. I see all the nods, you know, all, all about that. So I started to realize that this problem of barrenness had been very long-standing, and I believe that the blessing, the intentional blessing, broke it. So then we had um, a guy come to us, a guy in our congregation actually came to us and said, "Um, out of the blue, I would like to paint your house for you. Not he himself, he had a business that painted houses. It took him a week to prepare the house to be painted. It was in such a state. I don't know what that gift was worth. Thousands and thousands and thousands of rand. It was a big house. And he just came out the blue and he said, this is my gift to you and my blessing to you. Just about the same time, we got a very nice financial release unexpected. We were able to put a bri in the back and a nice pergola and, and just sort out the whole property. So that derelict thing that we'd moved into suddenly became so much desired. So the estate agent who actually sold the house for us eventually said, your garden is going to sell your home. So the people who bought it, you know what they said? The garden persuaded us. (laughs) The garden. And it was just because of the atmosphere. Something changed in the atmosphere that was so significant. So then, Like, my cup was really full and running over. And then about two months before we moved, a whole street and the whole neighborhood got a notification that this big tract of land that was like mole paradise beyond the park had been hallmarked for a market garden. Now, I don't know if the southern suburbs has market gardens. Do you have public? You do? I've heard of them. But I promise you, Table View has never heard or seen such a thing. And the thing that really blessed me is they used the park to, like, um, do the launch and the initial thing for the market garden. And I thought, Lord, this is just so amazing that it can go from barrenness into your will and your purposes, you know. It's really wonderful. So at that stage, I'd been intentionally and regularly blessing for quite a few years, not knowing that the journey is going to unfold like it was. You see, when we, when we start blessing, we introduce like the God life into circumstances. We, we bring turnarounds. We bring light into dark places. It was actually some really bad stuff that was happening in that park. It was a gathering place for one of our covens. You used to hear them chanting and doing stuff at night. Watching teens doing stuff that teens shouldn't be doing in the park. There was such a turnaround when it was cleaned up. It releases new life. It brings hope. It it releases answers to prayer it breaks curses and it breaks strongholds when you begin to bless so god was teaching me that you can change the atmosphere and that it's not a big a big heavy doctrinal whatever the gospel is the good news so we've always got to remember that the good news is the good news and the minute it becomes too complicated we need to review we need to just relook because this should be something that even a child can do and easily and see answers for it. You see, we're not just natural people living out natural lives. We are God's supernatural people living out supernatural stuff. We're actually the history makers. We're the people that are shaping history right now. So we you know I also grew up okay now we are going to say the our father and then we all had to put our hands together our father which art in heaven So I didn't have a clue that one day I would be like our Father which art in heaven thy kingdom come <laughs> you know that you actually bring it to earth you bring it to earth with an impact. You don't just stand holy with your halo on and say the words. It's not a noun, it's a verb. You do it. You bring his kingdom down. So if we look in God's word at blessing, over 400 times it is mentioned. So I would reckon it's one of the great themes of the Bible. The Bible has great themes that start in Genesis and run all the way to Revelation. And this is one of them. Right in Genesis one twenty two, God blesses them. He says, go and be fruitful, go and multiply. So the first thing he does. He blesses them. Love it. And then his desire to bless is mentioned again, and again, and again, and again, and again. The Hebrew word blessed Conveys the idea of being strengthened, of our weaknesses being compensated for with God's strength. There's something about incredible strength that is released when blessing comes. So when you say to somebody, God bless you, you're saying something so powerful to them, so absolutely powerful. So all the different levels of our lives need to be impacted by the spiritual principles that we take and then put into action in our lives. Our victories are won and lost in the spirit realm. We know this. From Ephesians 6.12, we understand that our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against what we see. It's spiritual stuff. And when we bless, we're doing that spiritual thing. So that impact, as I mentioned, just now comes. And it is experienced in many, many different levels of restoration. So this particular restoration was a physical one of where we lived. And I just thought to myself, Lord, if every Christian, if every person who calls themselves by the name of Jesus Christ brought that redemption to earth where they live, what an impact we'd have. This is what our city is waiting for. It's waiting for that impact. In the marketplace, in the workplace, love what you guys did this morning. Love the worship guys. I was sitting next to Beryl Puffett the other, last weekend at a, a mutual friend's 50th birthday. Do they know Beryl Puffett? And um, so Beryl, Beryl Puffett says to me, Les, Shofar, the worshiping people, they worship like nobody else that I know. And I'm like, yes, okay. <laughs> it was good to hear from somebody like that. You see, blessing takes the limitation off. There's something so supernatural about it that it removes limitations. And the barren things, the things that just weren't able to take root and grow, become fruitful. How powerful is that? So I don't know if you've ever heard of John Kilpatrick, but he was the pastor of the Pensacola Church that had an incredible revival, Assembly of God Church. I'm going to tell you something about it. In 1993, John Kilpatrick in his church instituted a prayer initiative. So they started praying more. The same year, he started proclaiming a blessing over his people every Sunday. And he said he began to get a deeper understanding of blessing. So every Sunday he would speak it out. By 1995, two years he blessed. 1995, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit came like the world is seldom seen. It was unique in quite a couple of ways. You're going to be blessed now when you hear one of these points. But between 1995 and 2000, those years, four million people went to Pensacola. To experience the revival and to take it back to where they came from. Four million people. It's a lot of people. And during that time, a quarter of a million people got saved. Now, there were two very unusual phenomena, and one of them was children. We watched footage of children weeping for nations in Pensacola at the revival They'd have all the kids together to do like a little kids program. These kids were on their faces weeping for the nations. We'd never seen anything like that. I think we wept with summer, you know. It was so moving. It was so touching. It was one of the phenomena that came out of that particular revival. And then the other thing was um, they had a real problem because when he was busy, John Kilpatrick was busy preaching, the people used to run forward to get saved. To the point that it was a problem and a distraction. So you know what they did? They put barriers up. (laughs) And they said to the people, do not run. Stay seated. Listen to the whole message. (laughs) When they moved the barriers, the people ran. It was just a phenomenon. It was like a hunger and a desperation to receive Jesus Christ in that place. And they had this incredible fruit that came out of that. And he attributes a new understanding and a different understanding of blessing to that outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I'm saying, what, that is so next level, Lord. And we are so in need of that. You see, when you understand blessing, blessing is the preemptive strike of God into the heart of a situation. Blessing is the preemptive strike of God into the heart of a situation. When you're sending that blessing there, nothing can resist or stand against it. What we also need to understand, and I'm sure we do, that blessing and curses are complete opposites. And that blessing will win over cursing every single time. If it's the preemptive strike of God, it's like nothing can stand against that. Interesting that um, curses and poverty are always mentioned together. I grew up in religion, as I mentioned. Oh, my word. It was considered wonderful if you were poverty stricken. You were so holy. God was so proud of you. And I'm like, Lord, this took me years to get that out of my thinking. It took years to get out of my head. But there's freedom from him to know that blessing. And this is not some weird prosperity gospel. I know people have gone mad and crazy and wild. That's their problem, not mine. The word of God says he wants to bless us. I believe that blessing needs to become a way of life. And we've seen the fruit of that as for all the years as we've made it a way of life, as we've made it intentional. I believe that we need to talk more of our blessings than of our burdens. I think lots of things would shift if we did that. And I believe that when we walk in it, people around us will be very impacted. You know, when you've got war and you've got an army and you've got an army and they're shooting at each other and some innocent people from the country are walking down the road and they get shot and killed, it's collateral damage. It's something that happens by the way while the war is on. So how about we're busy blessing this and we're busy blessing that and we have collateral blessing. (laughs) Isn't that powerful? That's what God wants to do. He wants to bless that. He wants to bless that. But in the doing of that, it spills over because that's who God is. He's big. (laughs) He's big and he's powerful and he's got plans and he's just looking for the words of our mouth so that he can bless it and multiply it and do stuff. I think the, the park and all of that stuff and that public food garden that was just complete collateral blessing, I didn't see that coming ever. that was just so amazing. You know, Jesus did not live in reaction to the devil. He lived in response to the Father and so should we do you know some people who live in reaction to the devil so i'm not saying completely ignore him we need to be awake but i certainly don't want him to be my focus definitely not so as i draw to a close i want to say that blessing it's such a weird concept it comes out of our mouths it always surprises me, when I don't know why, when I think about it. It's something that God gave us that we can speak out of our mouths. When he created, he spoke it out of his mouth and he brought it into being. And he says, okay guys, you can do it too. How amazing is that? James 3.10 gives us a bit of a warning. He says, from the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. But my brothers, these things ought not to be so. The same mouth speaks the other stuff too. And he says, don't guys, don't. Because I think if we truly understood how binding it is when we speak negatively, we just wouldn't do it. I believe that many people cut off their own blessing, (laughs) somewhere over here, out their own mouth. Something amazing needs to be released. And then they, they get the vision and they get the thing and they, it, it's just being birthed. and <laughs> They just chop it off and then they're surprised. I think an examination needs to come of what comes out our mouth. And I think it's such a challenge to every single one of us because all of us sometimes get caught up in stuff or we have our own negative mindsets that we're confessing all the time. But he says, these things ought not to be so, brethren. Proverbs eighteen twenty one, so well known. Death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruits. So if you love to speak negative, You will eat the fruit of negative. If you love to speak positive, you will eat the fruit of positive. You will eat life or you will eat death, and it's your choice. One day on my gravestone, it's going to be written. My children and the whole congregation is going to put it there. And Arthur, they're going to write, Leslie always said, Life is choices. (laughs) Because it is. Life is choices. I could even preach a whole thing on life is choices. <laughs> I'll try not to though now. <laughs> so of all the giraffes and the ants and the, and the bullfrogs and everything that was created, we are the only ones that have free will. So let us use our free will. What a gift to choose life and to choose blessing. So I want us to take a moment with the Lord right now, seeing as we've had the preach. Let's have the moment to just run through what we need to run through in our own lives. Let's close our eyes. So any places of negativity, poverty thinking, things that we've bound ourselves with by continually confessing, let's bring it this morning to the throne of grace. And let's ask for forgiveness. If you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Father, we're asking that the precious blood of Jesus, the power that is in that blood will be released right now. And that it will bring a deep and lasting and profound washing and cleansing of every place that needs to be cleansed. I want to ask you this morning, have you ever surrendered your life to God? Have you ever given over all that you are to Him? Have you been born again? Jesus said, if you haven't been born again, you won't even see the kingdom of God. But this is an opportunity this morning for you to turn your heart towards God. To say to him, all that I am, all that I have, all that I ever hope to be, I give to you, Jesus. anybody like that, would you raise your hands so I can just see this morning? Does everybody here know Jesus Christ? What a beautiful presence of God is here. morning that there's somebody here that when you look in your future, you see dementia. When you look into your future, I don't know if it's because there's dementia in your family or what your reason is for feeling this, but this incredible fear of what lies ahead that this morning God has put the tool in your hand to turn that around for yourself. But if you'd like prayer for that, please come and speak to me afterwards and we can pray. There are also people here that feel that they are disqualified because of certain things. They're disqualified in the kingdom because of certain things. Some brokenness. But I feel the Lord saying to you, that is the thing that qualifies you. You think you're disqualified, but the Lord says, it's completely the other way around. This is the thing that qualifies you. This is the thing that he's going to use for his glory. this morning by standing, and I'd like to proclaim a blessing over you. Receive the blessing of the Lord this morning. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine on you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Father, I bless your people this morning. I bless them as they go out, and I bless them as they come in. I bless their work situations. I bless their friendships. I bless their marriages in the name of Jesus. I bless their children, finances, homes. All the different spheres of influence are blessed by the Lord our God. Thank you, Father. Thank you that your word says to us the blessing of the Lord, it makes rich and it adds no sorrow with it. So may that be imparted today in the name of Jesus. Amen.